I love the way Peter, as a leader in the church, he doesn't lord it over those allotted to his charge, and he calls us not to either. There might have been a day when he would have been brash and cocky and thrown his weight around, and maybe if he'd had a title, used it. But that's not Peter after he's walked with the Lord for a while. I'm a leader, he says. I'm just a fellow elder. I'm a, I exhort the leaders among you, the elders among you, as your fellow elder. And as I look back, I do everything I do in light of what Christ did on the cross and the fact that he's coming back. I live in light of Christ. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you. Not under compulsion. Leadership that says, well, I guess I'd better do this isn't leadership of diligence. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue our study of the book of Romans and Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Leading with Diligence. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. If you want to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12. Now Romans 12 has so much in it and we've been in it for a while. I want to remind you of where we're at in the book. 11 chapters. God gives explaining what He has done for us, thoroughly explaining the gospel, the good news. And only after 11 chapters do you even come really to the first responsibility that we have. And really that's chapter 12. And uh, from chapter 12 to the end of the book, he tells us about our response. And I love to use righteousness uh, as the theme word because it seems to me it is of Romans. He declares us righteous. We are made righteous in Jesus Christ. We're to live righteously. And so chapter 12 and following, you can think of it as practical righteousness. And in fact, just to glance at the chapter with me, verses 1 and 2 practical righteousness in relation to God. And you remember he said, I urge you therefore, brethren, in light of 11 chapters of God's grace, I urge you by God's mercies to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Our righteousness is to be acted out on the altar of Christ. We're to say, I'm yours. Righteousness in relationship to God, verses 1 and 2. Then verses 3 through 16, righteousness in relationship to one another. How does it work its way out in our lives with one another as Christians? And then the end of the chapter, verses 17 through 21, in relationship to the unbelievers, those who don't know the Lord. Because God's interested in all our relationships, and righteousness will have practical implications in every realm. Now, as he begins to describe that, we've been seeing that he's talking about the gifts that we have. The church is the body of Christ, Christ is the head, and each of us are a member of that body, and we have various gifts. And each Christian, I believe, uh, not only has a special gift, uh, and it's not just a matter of my belief on that, that's clearly taught, but each Christian is uniquely fit for his particular role in the body of Christ. And I think we have various gifts, you might say, uh, but each of us have at least one gift, and you see different gift packages, you might say, uh, and that makes up who we are in Christ and hence how we should live. And the body of Christ isn't complete 
without each of us functioning as we ought to. It's not as it ought to look like. So just to read the context, he says, verse 4, just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. And then we've been looking at the various gifts. And last time we left off with that phrase there in verse 8, he who gives with liberality. We're all to give, and we're to give with liberality. And the two thoughts there, simplicity and generosity. Simplicity in the sense that our giving is for His glory alone. It's the opposite of any kind of self-gratification or glorification. You know, Jesus said, don't be like those hypocrites who give to be known by men, to be seen by men. No, when you give, give quietly, give anonymously. Give in such a way that he receives the glory. Simplicity. And then generosity. Give like he gave. He gave himself. And we're to give everything to him. And that'll work its way out in the opposite of stinginess or hoarding, but rather Christians are to be those who give generously and cheerfully. And when we do, God's work will go forward. And uh, we saw that great principle of giving with liberality. Now today, verse 8, he who leads with diligence, he who leads with diligence, God has so ordained things that there are those who are called to lead. It's interesting the term he uses because it means to give aid or to be concerned about or to care for. It's translated in various places to manage or rule or watch over. Uh, I think you'll see, even as we develop it, that leading in God's Word, the picture that comes to mind time after time is that of a shepherd because he is uh, the shepherd and we're to be under shepherds. But uh, he says, he who leads with diligence. Now, in one sense, all Christians lead, uh, just as we've seen in every one of these. And I'll tell you right now, you are leading others, whether you know it or not. You're having an influence on people. You're leading them in a positive way or negative way. That's all there is to it. We can't get away from that. Even if we're in an inconspicuous corner, <clears throat> even if we're not gifted in leadership, even if we're not placed in roles of leadership, yet we all lead. But he's talking here uh, to those who lead. He says, to those who lead. In other words, some Christians are particularly called or gifted to lead. And there are roles within the body of Christ where we need leaders. And notice what he says. Those who lead with diligence. With diligence. Don't treat this lightly. To lead God's people. To shepherd God's sheep. No matter what area God has called you to lead in, if you're called to lead, do so with diligence. Give it your best shot. A godly earnestness and desire 
if you've ever had someone put you in charge of something, if you are seeking to please that person, whether it be your employer or your parent or the person in authority over you in the organization or whatever, you recognize that the first thing you want to do is listen up to what he says and then do it. And he says, he who leads, do it with diligence. The very opposite of kind of a lackadaisical, casual, we'll see if it happens or not kind of thing. Turn over to uh, Hebrews uh, 6. Hebrews chapter 6. He's, uh, he gives a strong warning in Hebrews, but then he comes back and he says, but I'm convinced of better things regarding you, brethren. I'm talking about you who are saved, he says. And uh, beloved, verse 9, we're convinced of better things concerning you, things that accompany salvation, though we've just spoken in this way, though I've given a stiff warning because there might be some in your midst who aren't saved. But he says, I'm convinced of better things concerning you, things that accompany salvation. And I read that because it's interesting to me that he's going to describe now things that accompany salvation or things that ought to characterize Christians. And he says, God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you've shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence, same word, earnestness, zeal, we want each of you to show that same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I'll tell you, he says, I'm convinced of, the, of your salvation, and I want you to show a real diligence in ministering to the saints and the fruit of your salvation. He says, be diligent, do not be sluggish. <laughs> diligence, to lead with diligence is the very opposite of a sluggishness. Now, I say that because I think it speaks to our hearts. Do you uh, sense yourself having a zeal in what God has commissioned you with? Or do you find yourself kind of sluggish and just putting it off and procrastinating and oh you don't do that on the work at work at work you're there on Monday morning you know you've got to be if you're going to get ahead and you give it your best shot at work but in things of the Lord maybe in those most crucial roles men let him who leads husbands do so with diligence maybe you've been pretty casual lackluster in fact you've tempted your wife if she wants to see the family led spiritually, she's got to do it, it seems. And you've tempted a role reversal because you've been lackadaisical, sluggish. Now, if God called you to lead, do so with diligence. I mean, God called us, husbands, to lead our families. He entrusted our wives to us. We're going to be held accountable to what kind of spiritual leadership we give our family. This isn't written just to church leaders or governmental leaders or business leaders. He's writing to any who lead. Now, I think specifically he's talking about uh, 
those who have a specific role of leadership. And so I speak strongly to husbands. I speak to fathers. Do we lead with diligence? Uh, do your kids see in you a spiritual earnestness? You know, this word is sometimes translated haste. When Mary uh, got the news, she went with haste to Elizabeth's house. She went with this word, diligence. In other words, first priority. And she didn't let anything get in her way. She went with haste. Do your kids see that in you men? Do they see that the first priority in your life is Christ? Do you lead with diligence? Are you followable is a, another way of looking at it. Because if you're not leading with diligence, those who are following you aren't being led aright. Lead with diligence. You know, I think every leader ought to regularly read two passages. And so often I find myself being exhorted by these two passages, one in the Old, uh, New Testament, one in the Old. And uh, I'm thinking of 1 Peter 5, and I'm thinking of Ezekiel 34. Turn over to 1 Peter 5 for just a second. 1 Peter, back at the back of the New Testament. You see, in the church, there's no place for half-hearted, lackadaisical, uh, reluctant leaders. If you're called to lead, lead with diligence, he says. And I love the way Peter, as a leader in the church... He doesn't lord it over those allotted to his charge, and he calls us not to either. He doesn't have some great big title that he kind of clubs people with. No, he's learned uh, what leadership really is all about. He's following the leader, Jesus Christ. And in so doing, this is toward the end of Peter's life. There might have been a day when he would have been brash and cocky and thrown his weight around, and maybe if he'd had a title, used it. But that's not Peter after he's walked with the Lord for a while. He says, therefore, verse 1, I exhort, I encourage, I urge the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that's to be revealed. I'm a leader, he says, I'm just a fellow elder. I'm a, I exhort the leaders among you, the elders among you, as your fellow elder. And as I look back, I do everything I do in light of what Christ did on the cross and the fact that he's coming back. I live in light of Christ. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you. Not under compulsion. Leadership that says, well, I guess I better do this isn't leadership of diligence. Uh, no, lead with diligence. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. It's God's will that you give it your best shot. I'm making every effort, Jude wrote. I made every effort to, to guard you and protect you. And that's this same term, diligence. According to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, and one of the characteristics of, of uh, less than diligent leadership is leadership that just enjoys some of the fringe, bennies. There are many who desire to be church leaders, for instance, just because they think there's a lot of benefits to it, and they'd like to enjoy uh, whatever the 
fringe benefits are to leadership. And you'll see that in the home too. Husbands who just say, I'm the leader around here. And they make sure everybody knows it. And they just kind of want to enjoy the fact that they think they can call all the shots, etc. That's not what he's talking about. He says, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Oh, if God has called you to lead a Bible study, if God has entrusted little ones to you, if you are leading children in our ministries or in a home Bible club or any number of other settings, or you think of just those little ones that God has entrusted to you mothers and you're leading them, oh, read this regularly. Shepherd the flock of God among you, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for what you get out of it, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, look at verse 4, when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive your reward. But keep that in mind. Look back at what he did for you. You want to follow a leader? Follow the leader, Jesus Christ. And look what he did for you and live in light of his return. Lead in that way. Uh, mind that passage for what it means to lead with diligence. And then I say, turn to Ezekiel 34 and just listen to an Old Testament passage. Ezekiel 34. And uh, there's more than we could read in this chapter about God's idea of leading with diligence, but uh, we'll read a portion of it, and I think you'll see the positive and the negative. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the leaders. Speak out God's word. Prophesy against the leaders, the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who've been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost, but with force and with severity you have dominated them. And they were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered throughout all the mountains and on every high hill. And my flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth. And there was no one to search or seek for them. <laughs> you can't miss, can you, where God's heart is and what disgusted him and what he pronounced a woe on. And then... Verse 10, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against the shepherds and I shall demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I shall deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be food for them. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he's among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep. Now watch what he will do as the shepherd. 
I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they are scattered. They were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams. And in all the inhabited places of the land, I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down in good grazing ground, and they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. Can you miss it? I'm going to take care of my sheep. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to see to it that they get rest. I'm going to bind up the wounded. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. And when Jesus Christ came on the scene, he read from the book of Isaiah and said, this is my commission. And he came and did just that. Oh, are you leading your family men? Are you feeding them? Are you making sure they've got good nourishment spiritually? Or do you just say, oh, grab a sandwich, whatever. Throw a little canned food out on the table, you know. Oh, Prepare meals for them. Lead them with diligence. Feed them. Get them in the good grazing ground. I will seek the lost, verse 16. If they're hurting, are you the kind of leader that goes out after them? When you teach a Sunday school class, do you just say, well, I made it through another Sunday? Or or do you look for what they're hurting and where they're maybe wandering off and go get them and bring them back? Lead with diligence. Bind up the broken, strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I'll destroy. I'll feed them with judgment, God says. Oh, you can see a lot about what God cares about when you watch uh, these two passages. And I say, I think everyone who leads, and that's all of us. But if God puts you in a particular role of leadership, and you say, I want to lead with diligence, he says to read Read Peter 5. Read Ezekiel 34 regularly. Let those principles seep into your heart. See what kind of a shepherd God is, and then seek to be that kind of an under-shepherd. And I believe it goes right with it, and I don't see how you can miss the connection. Look back at our text in Romans 12, and he says, He who leads... With diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, Mercy. Even as he just described shepherding and leading, his language was almost a textbook definition of mercy. That compassion and that care and that pity doesn't give people what they deserve, but gives them grace and compassion, and has mercy on them. Now, we're all to show mercy. In fact, that's the earmark of Christians, is that we're to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I mean, when Jesus started his great sermon and talked about the character of those who are subject to him, he said, happy, blessed are the merciful. We are merciful because we've found mercy. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Leading with Diligence, a message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. 
We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.net. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to the new site and check it out? There'll be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's abideintheword.net. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. There are those in the body who just exude a cheerful, and the Greek word there, we get our word hilarity from. There's just a joy about their acts of mercy. In fact, I think that's how you can sometimes recognize the gift of mercy, is that not only are they merciful and doing acts of kindness and goodness and compassion, and they're sensitive to the hurting ones in the flock, but they do it with a joy and a cheerfulness where it just, there's a Christ-likeness about it. And that's, that's blessed of God, and God really uses that. Having just heard what a shepherd is to do, our leadership should be a merciful leadership. And uh, this should characterize all who follow the Lord. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Leading with Diligence. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 